0: I had never read Alta Halverson Seymour until this year. I don't know why. This is like Hilda von Stockholm. It took me until being an adult to discover somebody I would have loved to have known in real life and to have had these books as a girl. They would have made a world of difference in my self-confidence and my view of reality. I would have loved them. Hello! You are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Plumfield in Person.
1: Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft. I'm here with Sarah Masaryk. Our guests today are Jill Morgan from Purple House Press and Tanya Arnold from Biblioguides. Jill, right on the hot seat, right away. Who do you like better, Hilda or Alta? Oh. Wow, I know, evil, right? You're asking me to choose between my children. (laughs) (laughs) But I have more of Alta's books. I guess I would go with her for now. You have a lot of Alta's books on your website.
0: What Mm -hmm. a joy that is. Friends, today we are talking about a fantastic female author by the name of Alta Halverson Seymour. And she is the author of My Most Favorite Read Aloud Ever. I can't even believe that I can pick a most favorite read aloud ever. But this year, I did. (laughs) When I read When the Dykes Broke, my children started to say that they were not sure what had more salt in it, Holland from the Ocean or that book from my tears. (laughs) I have never enjoyed sobbing through a book as much as I did that book. And my kids and I will always, always, always cherish that book because of the story that it is and because of the joy that we had enduring it with each other. Today, we are here to talk about another one of these fantastic female authors that Jill has been bringing to us. And I just want to mention a quick word about this. Tanya, one time you and I were talking about Jill's catalog and how many winning female authors there are. You love them, too, don't you? Yeah, I do. I love a lot of her
2: selections. Yes, Jill has provided us with so many excellent authors
0: and excellent options, and they're all wonderful. Mm -hmm. What I really appreciate about the female authors in Jill's catalog is that they are authors who write about boys and girls equally well. They write about families. So often the protagonist of these authors' books are the families and in so doing they make wonderful wonderful stories for families to share with each other but they also write with a sensitivity and a beauty that i think is really specific to women and is such a good influence for our girls so even though at plumfield and paidea diane and i are all about the boy books jill has really made us love some of these very special girl books so thank you jill for that well i'm glad you feel that way yeah.
2: So on BiblioGuides, we try to tag the main subject of a book. What is this book about? And when you think about a lot of Hilda's books or Alta's, what would you say?
1: Family. Definitely the family.
2: Yeah. So one of the tags we use is family life. I think sometimes it's the family life books that make the best read-alouds. They're the stories of families working together, overcoming hardships together, growing together. And those are the ones that connect to our whole family, especially if you have a family where you have a one-year-old to a 19-year-old or something like that. What are those stories that connect the whole family together? And oftentimes, it's a story about a family, regardless of the time period that it takes place. I think a lot of the authors that she's chosen bring that to life. Mm -hmm. But I think the other thing that I really love about her selections, and I think Alta is key to this as well, is that Jill has always loved a female protagonist. She wants yes, she wants girls to be able to see themselves in the stories and see mm-hmm. that they are capable and wonderful just the way they were created. You don't have to be like yes. a boy. You can just be a girl, and being a girl is awesome. And so she's always yes. – she, and, of course, she has stories about boys, right? We have Little yes. Britches, which are also the epitome of some of the most perfect stories for
0: families and for boys. And her first book, Mister Pine. It's a boy. <laughs> so, it, Mad Scientist Club, Alvin Fernald. I mean, Jill has a pretty robust boy collection. That's how I found her. were her boy books, right? I just <laughs> fell in love even more because of the girl books. Right. So she does.
2: <laughs> she she brings forth these incredible books for boys, but she has a true heart for stories for girls. And when I'm watching for things for her, I'm thinking about the girl stories she wants to tell the stories. Of girls and of women so you'll even see in her Mm -hmm. biography selections she's looking for women who she can highlight and of course not to say that a boy can't enjoy a story with a female protagonist of course he can and vice versa
1: Um, but
2: sometimes you just want to be able to give your girl or your boy a story that's just where they are right now in their age and in their development and it's fun to be able to do that.
0: Well, and I think about how many, many, many boys love Anne of Green Gables, because how could you not? Um, But Little Women is a little harder sell for boys. And so as much as Alcott is one of my heroes, there are some pretty fantastic Alcott books for boys, like Under the Lilacs and Eight Cousins, Jack and Jill, just to name a few. But what I really am loving about the Alta books is that unlike Montgomery and Alcott, Her books, like Hilda's, are so much grounded in that domestic life that's being lived by a mother and a father and children in the home and very often other family members as well, whether it's a grandma for Christmas and you have a grandpa who lives in the house and a grandma, I say grandma in quotes, who lives a little ways away, or it is um, the day the dikes broke and you have other family members living there, or the Tangled Skein, where you have multi-generations living in a home. It's a wonderful whole family landscape, and every voice in the story matters. I love that because not everybody identifies with every one of the characters in those stories. So Jill, how did you discover Alta? Why did you decide to start printing some of her books, and which one was your first?
1: The first one I discovered was a grandmother for Christmas, oh. and then uh, and I read it and I loved it. Yes, it's so it. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, you know, looking at biblioguides, you can see that she wrote a whole series of books, um, mm-hmm. Christmas around the world. So I did many of those, mm-hmm. and and so since I liked those, I had to keep investigating on books that she wrote, and we did when the Dikes broke. And I'm expecting a copy of On the Edge of the Fjord to arrive here any day now because I want to add that to our collection also.
0: Yay. So I have the Bethlehem Books version of On the Edge of the Fjord. Greta is reading it right now. And she keeps saying, I can't wait for Mrs. Morgan to do this one. I can't wait for her to do this one because she thinks that since since you're doing all things Alta, you need this one in your catalog. I can't
1: wait to read it. I've never read that one. She thinks you're going to love it.
0: <laughs> she
1: says it's, it's everything
0: you love about Tangled's game.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I bet I will.
0: <laughs> so you discovered Grandma for Christmas. Tell us about the process of getting Grandma for Christmas and making it come alive.
1: Well, it's a really sweet story of a family mm-hmm. living in Norway in the late 1800s, and it's set just before Christmas, sometime in December. And you see that it takes them a number of weeks to prepare for Christmas. Like they yes. have a bakehouse where several of the daughters just spend weeks there cooking. Yes. <laughs> um, just, just, it, it's just life. It's a different time, and it's so charming. And That's why I decided to do it. And it was one of those books where several of the illustrations were in full color. Most of them were in black and white. And a few of them, the black and white drawings, they had added like one color to it, either red, yellow, or blue. Mm. So, of course, I decided to make (laughs) all of the black and white pictures use the red, yellow, and blue. And so it all kind of fits together. And I had a lot of fun working on that. So that was my big contribution to this new edition. And it's the seventy-fifth anniversary edition. I love that. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it yeah, is it been around that long, and it used to be a very rare book a few years ago.
0: You know, I am not really a Christmas book fan as a rule. It, they just something about there is them as a disconnect for me. Christmas books, not these books. Christmas books generally maybe it's because I'm from Wisconsin, and here we sing When Grandma Got Ran Over by the Reindeer. When I think of grandma and Christmas in the same sentence, I usually think it's kind of going to be something dumb Um, or over-the-top saccharine sweet. Not what we get in this story. This story is, in my opinion, very powerful. It's very sweet, but not that you know, kind of ew, pucker your face, sweet. It is sweet in all the right ways. And a special note if you have kids who like winter sports, there's ice fishing in this book, there's skiing in this book. And so that's really kind of fun. There's sledding that happens. And I just think about putting grandma on the sled and <laughs> get to get her to the farm. I loved that scene. So this book has such. Powerful themes for young children to be responsible, take responsibility, act nobly, act thoughtfully, do the right thing, and to take rebuke and to take disappointment, kind of with a, you know, chin up and take them well and bite your tongue, be respectful and know your place, and to see how all these things contribute to good character, which bears its own sweet fruit. It is such a sweet story. It's a Christmas story. It's also just a greatly inspiring story. I, When I was reading it, my Jack came up the stairs and I said, you need to read this one. There's ice fishing in it. You'll love it. But you need to read this one because you are going to love this one. This is the celebration of good kids doing good things, even when it's hard.
2: What I think is really interesting, though, like what you're talking about, A Grandma for Christmas, I think we all felt that. Jill fell in love with the story. And then continued Mm -hmm. to fall in love with Alta's books and continued to reprint them. I think a lot of that speaks to who Alta was as a person and Mm. her background. So that she wrote stories that weren't overly sentimental. But all of those things that you just described, that list of things, we can find Mm -hmm. in all of her books. I haven't finished A Grandma for Christmas yet, but I did read On the Edge of the Fjord, which I adore. So I'm Mm -hmm. so excited you're getting that one, Jill. And I read The Tangled Skein, which I just simply adored. So, I want to just share a few things about Elta for your listeners and just for you guys in case you haven't heard this about her. We had her featured as an author of the month. And Deanna Knoll, one of our team members at BiblioGuides, did a lot of extensive research and wrote a biographical sketch about Elta that's on the BiblioGuides website. So, people can go there and read that. Obviously, we will link to that. So, Deanna researched and wrote this biographical sketch about Elta. And I just want to quote a few things that Deanna wrote because I couldn't say this any better than what she's had. Papa's store in Deer Park, Wisconsin, at the turn of the century, held a special fascination for Alta Halverson Seymour. In a curious mix of his native Norwegian and German, Papa often told jokes, gave advice, and shared stories. As he fulfilled customers' orders of sugar, overalls, candy, calico, soap, eggs, and women's hats, Alta took all of this in, soon making up her own stories to entertain her younger brother and sister. Later, taking the saying, write what you know to heart, two of her first books featured Norway, her father's homeland, and because traveling was one of her favorite hobbies, she and her husband frequented European countries where many of her stories are set. Believing that a writer must have a deep knowledge of the topic in order to write something worthwhile, She carefully researched each detail so that she not only told a good story, but provided an informative aspect to each of her books. As writing was not only her profession, but her favorite activity, this quote from Miss Seymour sums it up quite nicely. Quote, sometimes I write articles for adults, but I like best to write for boys and girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just that's I that. some snippets from her life, but she grew up yeah. with her father, storytelling of his homeland and storytelling yeah. in his native tongue. And it was just a huge part of who she was. And then she story tells to her brothers and sisters. And so you can, I think, paint this picture of the family life that they had in Wisconsin growing up, and that she then brought that forward into her own writings. And I think that's why it just rings true and resonates even now, even though these books were published in the 40s and 50s. It still mm-hmm. has such an impact now and why you can read it and just fall in love with the story. And what I love is that Jill took these stories and then just, they're you know, they're, they're the stories on the inside. But then she gave them these beautiful new
0: covers. Like she just repackaged yes. them for a new generation. I love that. So I want to ask Jill about the covers. But before I do, I just want to make one comment about Deanna's writing there. I did not realize that Alta's father owned a grocery store. It's interesting because A Grandma for Christmas is about Alta's father. The main character is Alta's father as a little boy. But the Christmas stove, which is set in Switzerland features one of the heroes of the story is the grocer, the little grocery shop owner, this young dad and his wife and their baby. And I wonder if those characters were informed by her own father and how he must have been a sweet, loving man who cared for the little waifs who came in (laughs) trying to make their way. How beautiful. (laughs)
1: Absolutely.
0: So, Jill, tell us about these covers because I want to say that as long as Alta has been on your website, I would see the tangled skein and just pause, even when it was not on my radar. It just wasn't didn't seem like it was going to fit in the things I was doing every time I would have to go and look at that cover. That cover <laughs> bewitched me, and so when you had your big sale in May, I said that is it. I am buying all the Alta books because these covers are stunning. And they just are magical to me. So tell us how you had these covers created and why you chose them the way you did.
1: Well, the book you're talking about, um, that is a scene where Solveig, he was going to a dance. And she was wearing the Norwegian bunad uh, that came down to her through her family. And so I went online and I found one I liked. And it was very similar to the one you see on the cover. And then it turns out that the woman I hired, who is a Russian artist, she specialized in fashion. Oh so she was very interested in dressing Solveig, and she just made her absolutely beautiful. Oh. And she did the same thing on the Christmas compass. You can just tell that she was very interested in fashion and, you know, and yeah. how people look the Christmas compass was the first one that she did for us. And I just think she did a wonderful job And after that cover. She had to do them all. uh, (laughs) (laughs) It might be that one of my favorite ones is the Christmas stove. I told her it was just Mm -hmm. like a little fairy tale gingerbread kind of house. And she came up with this beautiful little, little tiny house. And, you know, I just couldn't ask for anything more. And I I think she did a marvelous job on every single cover.
0: Oh, yeah. The covers are just fantastic. And because they're all done by the same artist, they truly feel like a set. And Mm -hmm. so we talk about this all the time, that the story is what matters. Getting the story into you is what matters. But oftentimes, a book won't get off the shelf if the cover isn't inviting What's so marvelous is you reach for one and then, oh, well, I'll just get another one and I'll get another one. (laughs) You just keep reading them. And with the Christmas books, they're short enough that you could read them in an afternoon. I read two of them in one afternoon. So you could sit by the fire and read them to yourself or aloud in an afternoon and have a wonderful day and say, I think we should try that again next Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about the marginalia in the Christmas stove. Was that in the original or did your artist add that?
1: No, it was in the original. And they're the mm-hmm. Christmas tiles that were on the stove. And yes. so they repeat them throughout the book, except there there are many different tiles as you find out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those are lovely. They feel like a little gift on every page.
0: And you go mm-hmm. and look at the corner and see see which one that tile is. I love that. Just like the kids looking at the yeah. stove every mm-hmm. night.
1: It was a nice touch. I like that.
2: (laughs) I'd like to share something that Jill had shared with me when she was having the covers worked on. And a lot of the covers are different from the original as far as even the scene that's on the the Mm -hmm. cover. Sometimes she has a cover just repainted. Sometimes she takes a cover like Captain Kidd and she has the artist recreate the cover. Sure. Right. In this instance, for the Christmas story, she had the covers Redrawn, I think there were specific scenes that were important to you, right, Jill? That you wanted mm-hmm. to express on the covers. You wanted these covers to be vibrant, bright, beautiful, yes. vibrant and striking. And that's exactly what you got. You were she was so smitten. You guys, like every time she got a new sample from the, <laughs> I'm totally exposing her here. Every time she got a new sample from the illustrator, I mean, there was tweaks that she would do, and they would they'd make these little adjustments. But the colors and the vibrancy and the richness mm. just was completely in tune with what she felt about the story. So I just think there's that artistry oh. that comes through when you're when you're reading <laughs> one of Jill's books, right? Like a beautiful cover, this beautiful story, Absolutely. and it's very inviting to a child, especially if you have a child who says, you know, "Mom, I love old books, but I'd like some new books too." And you know, these can feel very new because the story Absolutely. is timeless with a new yes. cover giving illustrators today an opportunity to express their art.
0: Artists today need to make a living too. And artists today may not have been exposed to these classics. And how good for everyone when an artist is able to enter into an older story and envision it anew, because it it helps to shape the artist and the artist helps to shape us as we enter into that story. And it becomes, I think, a very life-giving process So I think about all the different versions of Little Women that I have because I love it. I have no problem having multiple copies of Little Women. I like all the different interpretations. I like the Hilda von Stockholm illustration (laughs) and the Clara Bird. I like both. I can live with both. And I think that that's a testimony to the longevity of a story, that it can be loved and appreciated and recreated many times over and still every time have something timeless and relevant to say and adds more
1: beauty to the world. You were talking about the vibrant colors on the covers. These Mm -hmm. books are for like 8, 10, 12-year-olds, and I feel, and this is just my opinion, I think children are attracted to vibrant colors. And I care for them myself, too, just like Van Gogh. I like things in bright colors. (laughs) Maybe I agree
0: more. with you. You you say they're for 8, 12-year-olds and 45-year-olds, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people of grandmother's age. So,
2: <laughs> Well, I would say some of the stories, like The Tangled Skein and Maybe When the Dykes Broke, mm-hmm. I haven't read that one yet. And I think On the Edge of the Fjord are for young adults, for middle schoolers and even That's high schoolers. True. I think my 15-, 16-year-old daughter would love any of
0: those. Oh, for sure.
2: One of the things I have often thought about when I go into a modern bookstore is that if you go into the children's department, you often see a lot of really bright, lovely colors. It's very inviting in the children's department of the bookstore. Mm -hmm. Once you move from that department to the YA section, it becomes very dark and moody and dreary. And I often Mm -hmm. think "Mm, that is probably the last thing our teenagers need. Amen. It's actually very disconcerting to me to see That you almost move from lightness into darkness in a bookstore. And it's overwhelmingly dark. And I get that there's some reason, you know, I love black actually as a color. It's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. colors (laughs) or non-colors, I guess. (laughs) But when you move into where everything is dark and dreary and moody and there's no lightness, it's just disconcerting. And I think our teenagers are already going through some big changes and some difficult time period. It's a difficult time period in their life and what they need are actually beautiful, bright, lovely books. Also, yes, and so I love that that agreed. provides that Jill, because you do have books for older, you know, for older readers. I think anywhere from the twelve to sixteen year old range would really enjoy a lot of Alta's books too. In fact, that's another interesting thing about Alta is that she does have books from elementary age to mm-hmm. you know mid high school.
1: I have been thinking about the Christmas books, but the, the other two are definitely for young adults. I totally get your point about having beautiful covers for their books and not the drab colors or the gothic colors, that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. A
0: celebration of life and hope, not mm-hmm. sort of this drudgery and family. Drudgery. Well, and family, family yes.
1: books, so gothic yes. colors just don't go with family books in <laughs> my mind. <laughs>
0: oh. Well, and when we think of the Tangled Skein, there's a lot of heavy stuff in there. And I say that not as a caution, not as a warning. There's nothing blushworthy in these books. There's nothing to be truly concerned about. It's simply that The Tangled Skein* is set in a post-World War II Norway. And it is the time when they are shaking off the occupation. And there is still a lot of evil afoot. And there's a lot of loss and a lot of heartache. And there is still some very noble and valiant work that has to be done to push back against the darkness. And the cover really speaks to the hope and it's beautiful because the the costume that she's wearing is this as you said this family costume that's handed down as traditional dress so it is an honoring of the past while also pointing to the future with hope and joy and festivity and lightness versus the dark drab time that they lived in under the nazi regime one of the central themes is that all the property was stolen from these people all of their belongings their costumes their candlesticks their silver their china everything was taken everything was appropriated by the nazis and of course we find some of it some of it comes back in an interesting way or two and this points to that i think that's wonderful So for our listeners, The Tangled Skein, I've done it uh, as a read aloud in our homeschool with my 11 and 13 year olds. And it's marvelous for that age. Um, I think 11 and up would do really, really, really well with that book. When the dikes broke, you could go lower, but you could also go higher. Because it is about young adults. And uh, for those who don't know, by the way, Tangled Skane and the Dykes are both reviewed on our website. And the Christmas books will be, hopefully, by the time this airs. In the Dykes, it's a true story about what happened during the great uh, flood of Holland when the Dykes actually failed. Many, many, many of the Dykes failed right after World War II. And the, uh, the Dutch people are in complete crisis. And it is, this focuses in on a family of teenagers and young adults and extended family. And what they do is amazing. You will, you will rejoice in humanity when you read this book. You will love your neighbor. You will love what people are willing to do for each other. You will be cheering and applauding the whole time.
1: Even the dog lives, guys. Even the dog lives. (laughs) It's so important for me to say. <laughs> I just love your summary of the story. That just hits the nail on the head. Yay, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> so
0: I think that those books are marvelous for the older people in your family who will enjoy it. But because there's some caretaking of younger people in it, it's also really nice for families. But I will say in A Grandma for Christmas, while the main character is eight, his big brother is really, really good to him. and. That's a lovely thing, too, Mm -hmm. to see, like, a 17- or 18-year-old brother take such an interest in his 8-year-old brother and help to make a way for him. It's lovely.
1: Teaching him to fish, teaching him to get better at skiing. Yeah,
0: advocating for him,
1: Mm -hmm. and it's nice.
0: And the sisters are so good, too, the little mamas.
2: (laughs) The other thing that I think is good for mamas to know about these stories because the tangled skein— when the dikes broke, and when Jill gets it on the edge of the fjord, could be great YA books. But what they don't right. have is teenage angst.
0: Yes. What they Thank yeah. You.
2: What they do have is they're kind of a little bit of a coming of age story where you're seeing the yes. sharpening of the character of the characters as they make decisions. It's kind of that thing where they're they're under pressure. They're they're yes. finding themselves in life circumstances as a family where the pressures of what's happening around them are compressing, and they have to make decisions. And they often end up mm-hmm. working together both within their families and their communities. So On yes. the Edge of the Fjord has a lot of those same components, Sarah, that you were sharing. And you see young kids. The protagonist in On the Edge of the Fjord is 14. I think in The Tangled Cane, mm-hmm. she's also around 14. Mm-hmm. I think Solvig's 14. Something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah, and you see them really taking on big roles, and I think that is so Mm life-giving for teenagers to see, and they're respected. The other thing I love is that there's a lot of respect, the youth for their elders and the elders for the youth. Yes, Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. There's
2: not talking down to a child that they're not capable of doing Mm -hmm. hard things. And so you see these beautiful Mm -hmm. components that help your child step into great spaces for themselves or see other kids do that. It's a great mirror, I think. So that's why yes. I love him. But there's no, there's no teenage angst. And so you just have yes. almost
0: these just perfect stories. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to to illustrate what you're saying, Tanya. There is a scene very early in the dikes. So I don't think I'm spoiling by sharing this scene. This happens almost right away. The dikes have broken. The waters are rising. And the families are all moving higher and higher up in their homes to avoid the water. And the family in question knows that they have a rowboat they have two boats as a matter of fact but one is lost because of the because of what has happened so they know that if they can get to their boat then they can get their family out of the house onto the boat and to a dry high ground place and so They're trying to make a plan because we have um, a newly married couple. We have an elderly person. We have the parents. And they're trying to make a, and we have a, a family with a number, with a range of children. And they're trying to make a plan, the best way to be safe. And the eldest brother, without saying a word, takes off his coat and dives into the water. End of discussion. He just does it before anybody can stop him and swims out to get the boat. And that was what was going to be. He wasn't going to let his mother protect him and tell him no. He understood that he was young and strong and he could do it. And he knew where the boat was and he was going to go do it and bring the boat back. And then the real work began of not just rescuing their family, but rescuing their neighbors, getting to the dike to try to repair it, et cetera, et cetera. And the family has to trust that each of the children, who are not children, they are just, you know, the children, these teenagers they have to trust that each of these teenagers are going to the right place and doing the right thing and that they are as safe as they can be and they have to take care of themselves. And the older people have to trust that and the younger people have to do it. So it is a coming of age of sorts and it's, it's beautifully told, just beautiful. And then you're going to cry. <laughs> well, Jill and Tanya, I'm so very glad you came to talk to us about these books today. Alta belongs on a in a cozy little place on our website and I, I'm sure Diane and I are going to work on that because I don't think I can get too much Alta in me or my kids.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you found her. <laughs> thank you for letting me find her. Jill and Tanya, thank you very much for joining us today and for your information and Jill, your hard work and your beautiful work. Yeah. I have seen enough of it to know that that's true, even though I haven't read any Seymour yet. And I've read enough of Sarah's um, reviews to know that I need to read the books. <laughs> so eh, thanks for giving me a push. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having us on here and for talking about Alta's books so that more people will be aware of them.
2: Yeah, and I'm always glad to come and share what I know about things. I like to just support Jill the best I can, and I'm always incredibly grateful for what she brings back and then i'm always in awe of how awesome it is once i have it in my hand oh for sure
1: (laughs) you're embarrassing me
0: (laughs) (laughs) ladies this is as always a gift i am very grateful for the gift specifically of alta but jill i really do appreciate the fact that you take such loving care of these beautiful authors i think that they are living their best life in your versions of their books so thank wow, you. that's
1: like the highest compliment. <laughs> thank well, you. I mean it.
0: I mean it. So, friends, please do check out the show notes for this episode. We will have links to a number of things for you. There are some really fascinating bits and pieces that support your understanding of when the dikes broke that Jill has pulled together. So we'll be able to link to those. We'll be able to link to our reviews. Of course, we will link to Deanna's biographical sketch of Alta at the Biblioguides website and some other things. So head over to our website, check out the show notes. And uh, if you know somebody else who might need a little Alta in their lives, go ahead and share
1: this with them. MBC